Hello and welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector and I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, this podcast exists to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Typically, I invite a guest on to ask me three questions and I help them figure out how to grow their audience in business. But today, I've actually got three guests for you. That's because what you're about to hear are three excerpts from one of my recent jam session Q&As. Let me explain. I offer a product called Skill Sessions, which you can check out at joshspector.com sessions. They're a series of one-hour video presentations where I teach you how to do things like grow your newsletter in five minutes a day, get more clients, create a product in a day, and define your niche. When you become a Skill Sessions member, you also get invited to join me for a monthly jam session Q&A, where I give members specific feedback and suggestions on anything they're trying to figure out. So what you're about to hear is some advice I gave to three different members in a recent jam session. I shared tips on how to survey your newsletter audience, how to improve your social media content strategy, and how to juggle multiple product offers. To start things off, here's the advice I gave Peter Osborne about surveying his audience. Peter emailed me a question about surveying his newsletter subscribers. We'll start with that. But because he emailed it to me, it gave me a chance to go find some old surveys that I had done so I can actually show you guys that. So I'm happy to answer questions on the fly. But if you ever have something that you know you want to ask, please feel free to, to send it in advance and it might help me answer it even better. With that in mind, Peter, let's start with your question. I appreciate it, Josh. Recently started a newsletter. I just published the fourth one, publishing it every other week. My list is starting to grow a little bit. I'm just wondering, Josh, what you've done in the area of surveying people to find what you're giving them is what they need. Cool. So a couple of things. So one is your newsletter is still pretty new. So keep in mind that even if you do survey them now, you're getting instant reactions from people that it's all sort of new. So I would take that with a grain of salt. The other thing is, I think the information that you're trying to find a lot of times you can get a lot of it or get a sense of it without necessarily surveying people. So just by seeing what are people clicking, what are they opening, who's doing what. The other thing is instead of, and I'm not telling you not to survey them, I'm just suggesting some other things you can consider. The other thing is individual conversations with a few select people might actually get you more valuable information than a sort of broader survey. So you could pull three or four or five people, whatever, who are opening and clicking a lot and have individual conversations with them. Go, hey, it seems like you're opening this. You're liking it. I'd love to hear what are you liking about it? What are your thoughts? Why did you subscribe? You're learning from who are your quote unquote best subscribers and then do the opposite. Like maybe someone who doesn't seem like they're opening or they're opening, but they're not clicking. Pick a couple of those people and have one-on-one -on -one conversations and go, Hey, I'm just curious, like I saw that you signed up. What are you thinking of it? Is it not what you expected? What did you expect? So you can learn a lot from those individual conversations and that might actually be more valuable than a sort of broad survey. That said, let me show you a few different surveys that I have run. And I ran these when my newsletter was much further 
along. I'd probably already been writing it for a year or more, maybe even a couple of years. So let me show you both how I plugged it in the newsletter and then what the survey actually was. So this one was in 2019. This is my newsletter from June 1st, 2019. So my newsletter had already been around for like three years at this point. I'm not saying you need to re wait three years to survey your audience, but just to give some context. If you're going to plug it in your newsletter, I highly recommend putting it in, in the intro or putting it somewhere where everyone's going to see it. Don't bury it at the end of the newsletter. You'll get better participation if you do it. So literally the intro of this newsletter was, I'm thinking about tweaking the format. I'd love your help. Can you please take 30 seconds to answer this five question anonymous survey? Couple things to do. One is keep your survey short and let them know that it's short. Please take 30 seconds. Please take one minute. This is five questions, whatever it is. Anonymous, you can do or not do. It depends. Sometimes people, if they don't like it and they have to put their name on it, they might not fill it out. So that might skew your results. I said, well, help me continue to give you more of what you want each week. So if you're asking them, the key is to make sure that they understand that it's not just to help you, but it's actually to help you help them because everyone's well, what's in it for me. When people click that link, they went to this survey. I'm considering tweaking the newsletter format. Appreciate your input. So I had very specific questions for this one. The first one was I asked, how long have you been a for the interested reader? Because again, it was long. And so I thought there was a big difference or potentially there was a big difference between people that were new and people that have been around for a while. The format change that I was considering at the time was, would you prefer if I featured five ideas or 10 ideas? So I had a very specific purpose for the survey. It wasn't sort of general. Then I also, at the time, was including recommended podcast episodes. Would you like each week's newsletter to include that? If you're going to ask questions like this, would you like to have this feature? Keep in mind that it's no extra effort for them to say, yeah, sure, give me a recommended podcast. People are going to be way more likely to say, if you say, do you want this extra feature? They're going to be way more likely to say yes than no, just because there's no cost to them saying yes. That doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it. This was before I had a podcast. So I was just each week saying like, here's a podcast you should listen to. And then I, at the time I was considering a paid subscription version. So I asked if, if I cut it down to five ideas, would you pay a $5 monthly subscription fee for access to an additional five ideas. And then I had this last question, which was an open-ended question. Why do you read for the interested? Just in case anyone's curious, these were the results of that at the time. 78% of the people that answered had been reading for more than three months. So I knew that I was talking to people that were longtime readers. 73% said they'd rather have it be five ideas. This was really valuable to me because it clearly said to me, here's people that have been reading for a long time. They like my newsletter. And yet they're telling me they'd rather have less. And this is in part informed a lot of decisions I made down the road about how I feel like most newsletters have too much stuff in them. The question about, would you like me to include a recommended podcast? 71% said yes. But again, in retrospect, this would only be a valuable question if most people said no, because for them to say yes, doesn't cost them anything. Sure. Why not? Give me a recommended podcast. Also, this would be if I really wanted to know, do people want a recommended podcast or not? As opposed to a survey, a better indicator would be are people clicking that link when I share it. Their actions would speak louder than their, their vote. And then this one, would you pay $5 for an expanded issue? 91% said no, makes it very easy to be like, I should not do that. And then why do you read? Again, open-ended, you could see people saying different things. One thing that you'll notice is a lot of times when you ask these open-ended questions, which are good, people are going to, especially if they've been subscribers for a while, they're going to spit back at you some of the words that you use 
right? So the fact that my newsletter was called For the Interested, you're going to see a lot of interesting content, interesting ideas. It's, it's interesting. But you're also going to see, I remember when I went through this, well, I'll save that for the next survey I did. So this one was in 2019. About a year later in 2020, I did another survey. And this one I actually think is a better survey and probably more along the lines of what I would recommend. I started a secret project related to this newsletter and could use your help. If you've got 30 seconds to spare, I'd love to hear your thoughts on these three questions. So I'm creating a curiosity gap to get them to at least click because they're like, oh, what's he, what's he up to? At the time, this secret project was me redesigning the branding for my newsletter. But if I would have said, hey, I'm, I'm coming up with a new logo and I'd love to hear your thoughts, what do they care? I kept that sort of secret. So when they click that link, again, three questions, you'll notice, you can see the difference between this survey and the first one in my own sort of evolution of how I did this. Three questions instead of five questions. And this, all three questions are open-ended. I think you, for the most part, get more valuable answers. So these questions or a version of them, I think are really helpful for you to understand how people are seeing your newsletter. In one word, how does For the Interested make you feel when you read it? This is a great question because it's very, as you'll see when you see the responses, you can learn a lot by what words people pick and what words multiple people pick. In one sentence, what are your favorite For the Interested articles about? And then what's your favorite newsletter other than For the Interested? So this question is designed to both give me a sense of who my audience is. If I want to do cross promotions or marketing or any of that stuff, it gives me a sense of what else they're reading and sort of helps me gauge who am I actually attracting. So the responses to this were very interesting. This was the list of one words and I went through and I have somewhere else in the document. I it up like how many people said what. But what's interesting is when people can pick any word they want, these were not multiple choice. And yet you start to see the same words over and over again. Curious, informed. There's another informed. Inspired came up multiple times. I think inspired and inspiration was, I think, one of the, the top words, which was interesting because I never really talked about the inspiration piece of it interested, overwhelmed. I think multiple people said overwhelmed, which is really interesting considering they, and again, led to me continuing to shrink my newsletter. In one sentence, what are your favorite articles about? So again, this can sort of help you creativity. You're looking for the patterns, right? You're looking for the patterns of what are multiple people saying. Creativity, unlocking creativity, creativity. So that kind of thing. And then what's your favorite newsletter other than for the interested? It was interesting because a lot of these newsletters I knew some of them I didn't know. So that was also would tip me off to stuff. The other thing about this one to keep in mind, though, is obviously the bigger the newsletter, the more people in general subscribe to it. So the more likely it makes sense that more people are going to say James Clear's newsletter than some small newsletter just because James Clear has a bigger audience. So. You want to take this with a grain of salt, but these three questions, if you're going to do a survey, I personally have found very helpful and they're very, they're very simple. So I know that's a really long answer to our first question, but hopefully is that helpful, Peter? Your first survey had, I think, 690 something responses. You had a lot mm -hmm. concern you? No, it did not concern me. I don't remember if there was other stuff I did. It's possible with one of them, I sent a standalone email also, and with the other, I didn't. Also, the first one was very specifically, hey, I'm thinking of changing the format. So I don't remember exactly what I did to promote the survey. So that may have had a piece of it, but I know that I was not concerned about it. And the other thing that I would say, the other thing that I would note is when you do this, keep in mind that whatever results you get, you're only measuring 
people who actually took the time to fill out the survey. So it's indicative of something, but it's not actually, most people are not going to fill out the survey. So whatever results you're getting, you're only getting from a sort of small percentage. So it's valuable and it does reflect your more engaged people, but that's something to keep in mind, right? It's not truly, this is what everybody thinks. As you may have noticed in that clip, I'm able to get very specific with my skill session members in these jam session Q&As and help them figure out their specific challenges. For example, in this second excerpt you're about to hear, you'll see how I helped Josh Shane figure out exactly what kind of content to post to attract his ideal clients. Let's get into it. I have a half-baked question. Perfect. My favorite ones. So I'm trying to figure out for everybody, I run a design agency that works on a subscription model where companies pay a flat fixed monthly fee and I do all the design work that I can get done for them in that month. That's the kind of explanation. Mm -hmm. I'm still figuring out my niche for it, but I think it's obviously companies that have a budget that have an ongoing design demand and often like a backlog of work. And we talked a little bit about what kind of newsletter I could create for them. And you had the great idea of a newsletter that because my service helps people all save time and money that talks about apps and services that also do that. And I'm still trying, still stuck around like when I get on social media to talk about it, what is like my day-to-day -day social media look like? Because I, I, it feels a little bit too far afield maybe to be constantly mm -hmm. just talking about other apps and services mm -hmm. when I'm doing design work and should be showcasing that to some extent. Yeah. And then, yeah. So I'll, I'll leave that as kind of my first so, question. Okay. So talk to me. The ideal client is who? Often I think it's like a marketing director at a mm -hmm. company that is probably trying to grow a little bit. They're not like a giant company where they have a design team already. Mm -hmm. And they're not a small company that is just looking for like a one-off project here and there. Mm -hmm. How are they currently handling design? They've probably been working with freelancers and have stopped and started and probably don't have a consistent solution that's working for them, but they're looking for something that's easier and more reliable. Okay. So I'm going to give you a few, a few sort of different ways to think about this. Again, there's no one right way to, to do this, right? But just brainstorming here on the fly. So what you want to do is you want to think about that ideal client or that ideal person. And you go, what would be, forget you for a second, what would be the Twitter account? This also goes for newsletters or any platform. What would be the thing that if that person saw these three, five tweets post, they're like, I got to follow this. Or they saw an issue of this newsletter, they'd be like, I got to subscribe to that. What is that person trying to, to figure out? So if that person is most likely they're interested in stories about what other similar marketing directors are doing, success stories, case studies, whatever. Now, some of that can be things that have nothing to do with you that you just find, but some of it can also be work that you've done, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where you come into it, right? Case studies and whatever. And it can be, it can be both on the macro of this person hired me and we're, here's all the different things that we're doing to help them. Here's what we did with them last month. But it can also be on the micro. This person hired me because they needed a logo. And here's how we approached it. I've worked with dozens of marketing directors. And here are the mistakes that I always see them make. Or here are the questions that every marketing director should ask when they're trying to come up with a new logo. So there's a difference. that That is the subtle difference between your expertise to help them, but not just going, oh, hire me to do your logo. And if I don't want to be a designer money. that's, here's how to design a better logo. 
because they're not right. a designer. But so the other part of my business is I started doing these web design audits where people, I've done half a dozen of them and it's yeah. doing really well and very rewarding to break down a site and be like, here's what could be better about your design. Here's how it could be I more love that. Cool. So I think there's a lot of like lessons in that that might attract, if I'm able to take that and absolutely content. And you can also offer, so the same way you've probably seen me, or maybe you've seen me on Twitter, I do what I call micro coaching. Mm -hmm. So do the same thing. So if you go on there and you go, hey, and I don't mean like you're going to spend hours and hours doing it. That's why yeah. I call it micro, right? Yeah. Where you go, hey, I'm, I have an expertise in landing. I'm making this up. I have yeah. an expertise in landing page design, not copy, but landing page design. Reply with your landing page. I'll take a look and give you a suggestion to improve it. That's easy and really effective social content. Mm -hmm. The other thing you can do, and I'm just, it's funny because I was talking to, I texted Emily about this yesterday and I'm just, I haven't done it yet. Well, I guess I've done it a little, but I'm just starting to think about it is this idea of packaging sort of social posts around like a themed week. Mm -hmm. So this week I've been doing this delete week thing on Twitter where each day I'm doing, I'm spending an hour a day doing, I cleaned out my email inbox, I unfollowed people on Twitter, and then I'm just writing it up. But I'm, I'm literally like, this is delete week. And here's what I did on day one. And here's what I did on day two. And here's what I did on day three. People have responded to it well. And I think the packaging of content in that way is interesting. Whereas a lot of people on social and even me, right? I might be like, all right, I'm going to share a newsletter growth tip today and I'm going to share a Twitter tip tomorrow and I'm going to share a sales tip the next day and whatever. But to actually pick that and go, I'm going to brand this as a week and each day. So you might go, okay, this is going to be logo design week. And every day I'm going to talk about something, ways to improve your logo or questions you should ask when you hire a designer or whatever it is. The key here, which, which I think when you touched on before, is all this content is aimed at the marketing director. It's not aimed at the designers. So it's all through that filter of, if you're a marketing director, here's how to interview designers. If you're a marketing director, your brief for a logo needs to include these elements. So whether they hire you or not, that's really helpful. And you can see how if you picked a bunch of those topics, like in a hypothetical world, if you did one themed week, you need 52 topics for the year, which is probably not all that hard to come up with. Here's what marketing directors need to know about logos. Here's what they need to know about hiring freelance designers. Here's what they need to know about introducing new branding to their employees or whatever it is. It's an interesting organizational tactic. And the other thing that like that's nice is like anyone that finds today's delete week tweet that I did or thread was about organizing my to-do list and notes. But within that, I'm like, if you're interested in that, you're probably interested in the other delete week stuff. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're tying it together and you're becoming a source for that. And you're starting to become known as this guy every week is giving advice to marketing directors about design stuff. And very quickly, that's what you want. Because at a certain point after they see that stuff, they go, well, maybe we should hire this guy. Maybe we should talk to this guy. You're yeah. becoming a resource for them. And does that make sense to just maybe change the direction of the newsletter to fit that more? Or you can. I mean, look, you, you, could, you could very easily, I'm going to do, when I finish this delete week thing, I'm going to do a blog post mm -hmm. that's going to summarize all this stuff. And then I'll share that in my newsletter. And yeah, so all this, the, the five social posts you do during the week could easily become your newsletter. Or vice versa. You could do the newsletter and then roll them out as individual or social. Two posts. articles from someone else and one article yeah. from me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you and and that's another way to think about it, right? Again, just off the top of my head, let's let's take things marketing directors need to know about logo design. 
So I'm just making that up. One day's post could be your advice about the basics of what they need to know about logo design. One day it could be the best resource you can find from someone else about that same topic. One day could be a micro coaching post where you literally are like, show me your logo, you know, your brief, and I'll give you feedback on it. One day could be a case study or specific examples of someone you've helped. And then the fifth could be a wild card. So you leave space for whatever fits that particular thing. And that format, you could just repeat with every topic every week. One curated post, one's best of tips, one micro coaching, one case study, one wild card, and rinse and repeat. And the other thing too, is like I said, 52 weeks, but honestly, you could, you could do that for 12, right, 12 weeks and then just repurpose it. So yeah, that's, I think, a good place to start. That's really helpful. Thank cool. You. Good. Glad to hear it. The third jam session excerpt I have for you today is a conversation with Jane Hamill, a new skill sessions member who was trying to figure out how to juggle multiple different product offers for her audience. It's something I know lots of you struggle with, and the approach I suggest that she take can be applied to just about any niche and any products you may offer. Here it is. I am new around here. and I was going to say, welcome. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you. Due to personal reasons, those Instagrams, due to personal reasons, huh. I want to shake things up and I'm a little scared and worried. I've been coaching, being a coach and selling online courses for like 12 years. Basically, I am having a conflict in my brain between two of my, two ideal customers, buyer persona A and B. I mm -hmm. sell an online course that I've had forever for product-based entrepreneurs, specifically who people who want to start a clothing or accessories line, anything that's sewn that has manufacturing, like a shirt okay. or a bag or something. And then I teach a lot of marketing for all for product entrepreneurs, but it could be someone who sells cheese or, you know, mm -hmm. not necessarily handmade products, but people who are in manufacturing, but I mean, they could make an eyeglass case. Like it doesn't matter. I get consistent sales for the startups. I get wary of answering the same questions over and over mm -hmm. because I've been doing it so long. So what I want to do is I want to do the startup course without any live interaction, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I've done it before. It'll, I, I believe I can sell it. Mm -hmm. My podcast, however, is really more about a little bit more advanced strategies for marketing and doesn't talk mm -hmm. about like how to find a manufacturer, how to like, mm -hmm. what if you're designing this, blah, blah, blah. So I have this podcast for this certain person at mm -hmm. this certain stage. And, and I, I find I love working with jewelry designers over here because they don't have as many manufacturing problems. Mm -hmm. But I have this course that I want to focus on now that is for the other type of content mostly. So here's my dilemma. I have a podcast. It's I, I never know what to name it. Like you mentioned, it's for mm -hmm. the interested. You would have named it something different. I just named the podcast The Jane Hamill Podcast for right. this reason. Companies called Fashion Brain Academy. Don't give a shit about fashion. Don't care what people wear. Mm -hmm. Just really don't. Don't want to talk about fashion. Uh -huh. Do think it's interesting how you express yourself, all the things, but whatever. So I have some issues, but I guess my main question is for the next 90 days, I want to focus on selling the startup course. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm going to confuse the people mm -hmm. with all startup information, like on the podcast, on social, everything. I'm, I don't want to really separate it out. I'm not sure if I just say, hey, this is the startup summer. We're going to talk about, yeah. or this is, like you said, have a, a theme for the week. Maybe mm -hmm. I say, hey, the podcast is on hiatus, but I have this fashion designer podcast over mm -hmm. here. I don't know what to do because I, I want to focus on only one of these customers hard and I want it to okay. be this, but I don't want to lose the other people. But when you say when you want to focus hard, you mean in the short term, you want to focus hard or That's, for good? No, no, in, definitely mm -hmm. in the short term. I mean, I've been running this same course since 2014. Yeah. So it's not like it's going to go away. Yeah. It's just that I got okay. so 
hired with them, I started talking about startup things and I started talking about this and now I'm confusing okay. my people and myself. Okay. So a couple of suggestions here. So one is you're talking about these things, even in your hand motions, you're going, I have the marketing thing over here and I have the thing over here, right? Yeah. Go like this product marketing, because the marketing's more advanced. Marketing doesn't matter until you have the product. Yeah. So I think in your own mindset, thinking about them as a vertical trajectory, as opposed to two different buckets will be helpful for you because it is a journey. And yes, some people don't, maybe your, your product advice maybe is about a specific product that not everyone that the marketing advice has, but most people, most of your audience are coming through most of not every marketing person as the type of product that you're teaching them to do, right? Some of it, it's not manufacturing or whatever, but most of them probably are right? Mm -hmm. The ideal probably is. So think about it like that vertical trajectory. Now, once you do that, you see that they're connected as opposed to these separate buckets. So now when you're thinking about your, and I'm not saying again, I'm just floating ideas here. This isn't the way you have to do it. But yeah. when you see that as connected, your podcast might become every episode is the first half is product related. The second half is marketing related or one week is product related. The next week is marketing related. I'm talking sort of long-term big picture here, not your sort mm -hmm. of short burst of promotion. But once yeah. you wrap your head around that, I'm actually helping people through this journey and people are at different stages of the journey or need different things as opposed to they're in completely different buckets. You can look at all your content, all your messaging and think about it that way. Where are you? Do you need to get started? Or are you already started and you want to market? And my content has this. Because the truth is taking your podcast, for example, if you did it that way, first half of the episode is product, second half is marketing. If the person just wants to hear the marketing, they'll just jump to the second. Or if they just want to hear the product, they'll listen to the first half and then be done. But chances are most of those people will at least be curious to hear both. And so they're they're feeding off of each other. Now in the short-term burst, like what I just did with this skill sessions week, I yeah. think can be really powerful. Your audience who, let's say they're just interested in the marketing stuff, they're going to be okay with they're like, oh, she's doing a it's skill session week. Even on Twitter, when I'm doing this delete week thing, it's like, maybe there's people that aren't interested in that. But if they've been following me and they know me, they're like, well, all right, next week, he's going to get back to talking about growing newsletters or whatever the, whatever the thing is, right? So I wouldn't worry about losing them as long as you're two things. One, signifying to them that this is an event. This is a thing. It doesn't have to be a week. It could be a month. It could be whatever. It could be startup summer. Right. But I think the other thing, so that's the first part. The second part of it is, so let's say you go startup summer. That doesn't mean that none of that can be relevant to the marketing crowd. And you can even message, hey, it's startup summer and I'm going to be telling people how to start their thing. But it's also a great time if you're an existing business. This gives you a chance to go back and think about, oh, I, the missing pieces from your foundation. So you want a message to them that this is still relevant to you, even though you might not think you might go, oh, I'm not a startup, but we're going to talk about things that are probably holding you back because you didn't get them right when you did startup. And that starting up, you, you want to tell the story of connecting startup to marketing. That revisiting, again, I'm, I'm just riffing here, but you can tell a convincing narrative that's, look, revisiting these key questions and foundational elements and decisions that you made when you were starting up, mm -hmm. revisiting them now is actually going to help you even if you're already established so that you're not going, hey, this summer I'm only talking about startups and if you're not a startup, see you later. Okay. You want to show that there's some relevance and as you're talking about it, throw in a little of that relevance in different ways. And two last question. And yeah. This is super useful. I can't wait to watch right. it again already. 
But it, to avoid the like, I'm not a startup, it doesn't apply to me. Would it be better just to call it like foundations something or? you can't, Yeah, I mean, that sort of depends on your audience, but you, okay. cer you certainly can. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Maybe okay. the other thing you can do is you can use the terms like, like jumpstart. Yeah. So it's like, cool. if you're new, it's, oh, I want to get going. But also a lot of people feel stagnant in their business or where they are. So the idea yeah. of a jumpstart is compelling. I love uh, it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Thank you so much. So yeah, you're welcome and welcome okay. aboard. Okay. That's a wrap for this week's episode of I Want to Know. I hope you found it helpful. And what you heard is the tip of the iceberg of what goes on in my skill sessions. So if you'd like to check them out, just go to joshspector.com slash sessions to learn more. And you'll be able to check out all the skill sessions when you join. And then also join us in person for future jam session Q&As. Thanks for listening to this episode or watching it if you're watching on YouTube. I will see you next week with another new episode of the I Want to Know podcast. Have an interesting week.